Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you have joined us. For nearly a century now, Metro Detroit has been defined by the car. It's not just what we make or what we drive. It's how we live and how our communities have taken shape. But more recently, we've seen a bit of a shift, and not everyone is happy about it. In some communities, lanes for cars are being replaced by lanes for bikes, by wider sidewalks, shorter pedestrian crossings, and other things meant to make cities more walkable and bikeable. These transformations are known as road diets, and experts say they improve communities and make traveling safer for everybody. But some motorists feel inconvenience. They say fewer car lanes mean longer commutes, and that they don't want to share the road with bikers in particular. So, What's the future of our streets, and what's the future of our communities? That's where we want to begin the conversation today, and we really want to hear from you. Are you living in a community here in southeast Michigan where bike lanes are appearing on roads that previously didn't have them, or where they're widening the sidewalks and taking up room that used to be set aside for cars? Are these things that you think are improvements in your community, or are these things nuisances? Are they things that make you afraid, maybe, of accidents between cars and bikes or cars and pedestrians? Give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let us know what you think, whether you live in Detroit or Royal Oak or Ferndale or wherever. Uh, let us know what you think about these changes to traffic patterns. Uh, we've got two people here with us, two great people here with us to help frame up this conversation this morning. Kyle DeBuck is a city commissioner in Royal Oak, a community that has approved and implemented a number of these so-called road diet projects. Kyle, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Also with us is Todd Scott. He is the executive director of the Detroit Greenways Coalition. Todd, welcome to Detroit Today. Great to be here. All right. So, Todd, I'm going to start with you. What are road diets and what do they accomplish? Well, basically, we uh, we have roads that have been built for far more uh, capacity than they really need, uh, especially in Detroit. Um, roads like East Jefferson do not need to be uh, seven to nine lanes wide for the amount of traffic they're carrying. So we can do a traffic study to determine how many lanes you really need and then take take those excess lanes and convert them into dedicated parking lanes and bike lanes, sometimes widening sidewalks, uh, shortening uh, crosswalks, and, and making it safer for all users. And what is it about these changes that you think gets people's hackles up? I mean, uh, I always say that this is a, a region that, A, doesn't like change in any form, right? <laughs> we're, right. we're kind of predisposed to say, leave it alone, leave it the way it is. But there's something in particular, I think, about this that gets people worked up. What is it? Well, I, I think there's a couple of things. And in, in, in Detroit, there's a, a little bit of pushback of this isn't being built for us. This for the people part, who live here. The, the, right? For the people who live here, which, you know, if you go on any of, uh, of the um, – of the bike rides around Detroit, you can see that it actually is Detroiters that are on these rides. Uh, you know, we have over 70-some bike clubs now that are based in the neighborhoods, and they are Detroiters and using these bike lanes and mm -hmm. wanting them. So mm -hmm. I think that's, a, that's not a very good argument against bike lanes. 
Um, yeah, and and it's just paint on the road being changed differently. People are used to a certain way, and it's different. Um, I've I've followed some threads on on Twitter where people are saying this ruined you know my commute, and then they said, yeah, I used to be able to drive really fast on this road. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, well that's that's what that's the point of the road diet. You're not going to be able to do that anymore, and it did ruin your high speed commute. But you're going to have to go to the speed limit now. Right, right. Uh, Kyle, there's a pretty robust debate going on in Royal Oak right now about uh, road diets. Tell us why you decided to support these projects despite the pushback from some residents. And then give us an idea of what you're actually doing there in Royal Oak. Sure. Uh, so <laughs> this has been a really long journey for our community. And yes, there, the, the debate does continue as, as we just implemented the significant road diets in, you know, last summer and, and into this year. Um, but this has been a 10-year journey. Uh, in 2009 was the first action taken by the commission before I even sat there to uh, hire a consulting firm to help us look at uh, non-motorized transit in our city. And um, one of the recommendations was that we establish you know, north, south, and east-west bike routes across the city. And over the last 10 years, you know, planning meetings, community meetings, so, you know, gathering all kinds of input and identifying what the exact right route is. And uh, it's once you put a shovel on the ground is when you really start <laughs> hearing how people feel about it. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you at the outset, I wasn't much of a, a believer um, until some of my colleagues on the commission uh, really just started burying me under data, not just about the value of, uh, of, of bike lanes and, and bike ability uh, and in the increased walkability that comes with traffic smoothing and, and you know, these, these road diets, but really the improved uh, traffic flow that can come from going from two lanes each way to one lane each way with a center turn lane, the reduced accidents, the reduced pedestrian incidents, and, and the better flow. And that's really what won me over. That, all right, we, can, we should try this. We should see if this brings you know, a more efficient and effective use of our public space. So, so you, you say fewer accidents uh, and fewer incidents. I think some people don't necessarily believe that that's what the outcome of this is, that they see more bikes in the street interacting in traffic with cars. And the assumption is, well, there's going to be more incidents. Talk about why you can say with confidence that this is safer than what we were doing before. So, like I said, there's you know uh, mountains of, of study and, and data around this. I understand anecdotally what people are reacting to is is something different, and when something's different, they're worried about making a mistake. And so that that cultural change that has to happen, that change of mindset, we have to get through that before we're actually you know, benefiting from those those tangible results. But ultimately, when you when you have understood and established rules of the road, when drivers and bikers all know their roles and responsibilities in their place, when cars are not going, you know, a Main Street Royal Oak essentially runs through, uh, you know, two and a half miles of residential area. And that's where we did this road diet. We, we essentially had a four lane freeway running through a neighborhood. And the traffic smoothing, not only did it add the bike lanes, but it really slowed that traffic down to 25 to 30 miles an hour from 45 to 55 miles an hour. And that's just an undeniable benefit, both for families who want to cross Main Street to get to a park, their nearest park might be on their side of Main Street. Also for the bikers who are not whizzing up the sidewalks where there's, you know, uh, families pushing strollers or children on tricycles. Uh, it's, it's everyone now has a place to get from point A to point B in the safest, most efficient way possible. And that's not to say we've nailed it on the first try. I mean, we were, this was just implemented in the last year. We're still looking at it and we're still taking feedback. Hmm. 
again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Tell us what you think about road diets, eliminating lanes for cars, and making more room for bikes and pedestrians. Is that going on in your community? What do you think about it? What do you think we ought to be thinking about as we do these things? Uh, is safety the thing that is paramount? Or is it this idea of making communities friendlier, more walkable and bikeable for residents and visitors. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there uh, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, Full phone bank already. No shocker here. Uh, If you want to join them, though, 313-577-1019. Let's get to Mark in Farmington. You're up first. What's on your mind, Mark? Hello, the uh, gentleman before me. Um, made a very good comment about reducing speed. As a cyclist who lives in the suburb but rides in the city, um, I'm really afraid of cars. And so there are bike lanes, but I end up riding on the sidewalk because I'm so afraid of the cars that are blasting by that don't quite understand the lanes. Hmm. It leads me to believe that bike lanes are often style over substance. We pat ourselves in the back and say, yay, we're a cycling community. But we're still just taped on the road. It's still dangerous to ride the roads. So we ride the sidewalk. So, so Mark, tell me what you think is dangerous about the bike lanes that you're seeing in Detroit. What, what, what are we doing wrong? Well, I've seen some bike lanes that are really good, like along uh, the Cass Corridor. But um, in many cases, you'll have a turning lane crossing the bike lane. So a, uh, a car in the center lane wants to make a right-hand turn. They've got to cross the bike lane. No way to get around that. But the, I think the cars don't really understand or don't expect a bicycle to be out there in that lane mm. six or eight feet from the, from the curb. And so you'll have a close call where the car turns and sees you at the last second. Hopefully, uh, many of my friends have been struck by cars riding bicycles. It's, just, it's really scary. Mm. Uh, I really appreciate the call and the thoughts there, Mark. Uh, Todd, talk about what he's pointing out there are we are we just putting paint in the road and not thinking about actual traffic integration well i think there's a couple issues there uh, yeah I, I definitely think we're just sometimes putting paint on the road um but that was where we had to start from because we weren't getting even anything at all so uh, we we started from that point in detroit because uh, you know the paint doesn't last more than a year it has to be repainted every year so we convinced the city well let's just paint the road a little bit differently put these bike lanes in and uh, now we're going back, or the city's going back and, and looking at where they put in what's called uh, protected bike lanes, like the ones on Cass Avenue where you have posts, uh, you have parking protection between the cars and the bikes. But then it does have issues with uh, turning movements, and he, I think the caller described a right hook. And so then you have to like reduce some parking so that there's better sight lines. And it, it, it's an iterative pro- process to design these trails that are, are great. I think we're going to see... Um, some real interesting design on, on Livernoy uh, this year where they're going to be concrete-protected bike lanes that are raised up. And I th- it's going to be interesting to see how, how bicyclists respond to that um, because it, it's much safer than what we've, we've been doing. But, it, yeah, we just didn't start right off with the <laughs> Cadillac. And to use a car analogy, the Cadillac of bike lanes, we started off more with the Chevrolet. So. so the caller also referenced Cass Avenue, which is, I think, one of the streets that I hear the most about in terms of the changes. Uh, some people are pretty enthusiastic about those changes, but a lot of people aren't. A lot of drivers aren't. And, and I think the fear is that by narrowing the road, what you've done is bring cars, parked cars, in Closer proximity, I guess, to moving cars. And people talk about opening their doors and 
uh, getting getting uh, a car going by, you know, swiping them and things like that. Is is Cass Avenue from your perspective a, a good model of the way to integrate all these things? I mean, you have room now for everybody, for bikes, for pedestrians, for cars, but it is a little it's a little tight. Yeah, you Cass is a unique situation because it was a very it's a very narrow road. And probably normally you might not fit protected bike lanes into it, or you would have removed a, a on-street parking, which of course would have raised more People issues. Lost with, their minds, right? Yeah, but the whole reason Cass got nice bike lanes was because of the queue line on Woodward made Woodward very unsafe. And we have so we have people who have you know smashed front teeth out, broken bones. Um, we've had a, a, a moped user killed on on the rail. So you know you got to take it in perspective. Yes, Cass is is a little bit more. Uh, it feels a little uncomfortable when a bus comes by you and you're driving, but think about the bicyclists who are who can't ride Woodward anymore, getting getting seriously hurt. So yeah. Yeah. that that's the trade-off. Yeah. Uh, Mark, again, thanks very much for the call and the comments. Let's go to Lisa in Southfield. Lisa, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. Uh, I I wanted to chime in on this one because. Uh, I live in Southfield, but I did live in Detroit a couple years ago. Um, I just recently moved. And we had the similar situation. I lived in Sherwood Forest. And when they threw up the islands on Livernoy, <laughs> they did that. And I was on the board of Sherwood Forest at the time. And they did that without our knowledge. And at the end of the process, they called an informational meeting. And it's really, you know, uh, that's all it really was, was informational. It wasn't a uh, uh, ask your opinion or input meeting, meeting. And what happened was they just informed us what was coming, the island. Hmm. So now, a few years later, you're tearing up the island. <laughs> right, and they're going back. what we really needed up there was <laughs> parallel parking. There's no consideration for the people who really are living in these communities and, and the merchants. Uh, you know, so now what the idea is to have a raised bike lane. I don't understand how that helps commerce mm. in in an um, avenue of fashion. Yeah, Lisa, I think that's a that's a great point. I live in that area as well, and have seen what they're doing on Livernois, and I'm a little, I am also a little uh, put out by the whole thing. I think uh, the ideas sound pretty interesting, but uh, the disruption is is incredible and i think uh hurting not just those of us who live there necessarily right now but but also the businesses along along livernoid which uh, are harder and harder to get to uh, kyle debuck talk about the process of getting the community involved in these sure. things how did you do it in royal oak did you talk to people up front get their buy-in or did they just have to come along with this well absolutely like i said this has been a, a- 10-year process and you know our goal from the outset and you know establishing the non-motorized transit plan was you know adhering to some of our values which is you know increased environmental sustainability ensuring that everybody uh, has you know mobility options and ensuring that we're a, a walkable and connected city um but the question is, how do you do it? How do you make the highest and best use of those public right-of-ways? So, you know, you, we hired a consulting firm uh, more than 10 years ago. That firm brought us a plan. That plan was given to uh, the city's planning department and the planning commission. The planning commission chewed on it for about 18 months before sending it to the city commission. The city commission chewed on it for a long time and then actually established a uh, committee of our traffic committee and then uh, citizens who were concerned and interested in the issue 
came together to help identify what they thought would be the most ideal routes connecting us to bike routes in Ferndale, connecting us to a road diet in Clawson, and uh, getting us a solid east-west route in the city, and also identifying you know, what are the funding mechanisms available to those those areas. You know, Can we use CDBG dollars or Act 51 road monies? So throughout 10 years, and, and we have a timeline actually on our website that shows every single public meeting held, every single article written about this issue uh, over a decade before we actually started mm-hmm. uh, making these changes, which by and large are just paint. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, not massive infrastructure works. You know, we're still having to maintain our roads. That work goes on. Um, but like I said, when, once people start experiencing it, then people really understand how they feel about it. And it's the initial, and I use the word disruptive, it's the disruption that I think uh, folks uh, are reacting to initially. And then once, once we all get used to this as kind of a new norm, then we can have a real conversation of, is it working? Is it providing the, the benefits that we want? If it's not, can we improve on it or do we go back? And you know, none, none of this is, is a state of permanence. You know, this is city infrastructure. It, it grows and evolves with the community, with community needs and community values. And, and I, th- I think that that's where our city commission and, and our city staff are at. We understand that our city is, like any other city, a work in progress mm. at any given point in time. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about road diets and bike lanes and walkable cities. Uh, Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Barbara in Royal Oak, Tom in Royal Oak, Charlie in Detroit, and David in Royal Oak. Lots of Kyle DeBuck's constituents want to talk about this. (laughs) We'll get to you next. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking this hour about the changes to our roads, making room for bikers and pedestrians, sometimes at the expense of lanes for cars. It's happening in Detroit. It's also happening in some other communities here in southeast Michigan. What do you think about all of that? Do you think this is moving in the right direction, making cities more walkable, more bikeable? Or do you think this is courting some sort of disaster, mixing bikes and pedestrians more with cars? Uh, Maybe that makes us a little more apprehensive about biking or walking. Uh, as always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, and we've got two guests here helping us to frame up this discussion. Kyle DeBuck is a city commissioner in Royal Oak, a community that has approved and implemented a number of what they call road diet projects where they take out lanes for cars and make room for other kinds of transportation. Also with us is Todd Scott. He's the executive director of the Detroit Greenways Coalition. I want to read a couple of comments from Twitter. Nat says uh, this covers bike lanes and complete streets. The automotive obsession has not served this city well and cannot serve future generations. It's time to get past that and design infrastructure for everyone. Nick on Twitter says Oak Park is doing a substantial traffic diet along Nine Mile 
adding more green space, bike lanes, and whatnot. I have not seen that in Oak Park. I need to get over there and take a look. Uh, Nick says they've closed a few roads from Nine Mile into my neighborhood, and I've noticed a reduction of speeders down my street. I can't wait to bike. Uh, again, if you want to call and tell us what's going on in your community, 313-577-1019 is the number. Let's go to Charlie in Detroit. Charlie, what's on your mind? Hey. Hey. Um, well, I've been a cyclist since I was a kid growing up in Huntington Woods and school in Royal Oak, and I ride Royal Oak in Detroit all the time. I just want to thank Kyle and the rest of the commission for adding the bike lanes. I mean, think about it. Even if you're a motorist, wouldn't you rather have the bike segregated instead of, you know, wandering in and out of traffic and maybe you, God forbid, hit one or one hits you. I mean, it's, it's, why shouldn't cyclists have the same rights as motorists? I mean, we pay our taxes too. And it's one of the few things I do that's actually good for me. I I mean, I think our governments and cities ought to encourage, you know, healthy living. And uh, to me, it's a, it's a great way to stay fit and a nice way to spend time in your community. Hmm. All right, Charlie, I appreciate uh, the call and the thoughts there. Uh, that's interesting that uh, that you don't see any any issue with this. And, and I think as a biker, um, <clears throat> that's an interesting perspective because uh, I think obviously bikers are more more vulnerable than, than other folks on the road. Uh, let's go to David in Royal Oak. David, welcome to the show. Hello. Hey. I... Uh live in downtown Royal Oak, and uh, there are adults, I started to call them adults, they're in their 30s, they're riding on the sidewalks in downtown Royal Oak. There's a ordinance in in downtown Royal Oak. No one knows exactly where downtown Royal Oak is, however. The bars are building these uh, eating establishments outside and uh, senior citizens and uh, mothers and fathers with, uh, you know, trying to uh, push their strollers are out. And also these these uh, guys trying to uh, swerve in and out of that. Mm. And I've, I've been almost uh, hurt badly twice. Once two teenage girls turned around and tried to destabilize me on my uh, on my cane on Main Street, if they're going to have no uh, bicycle riding on the sidewalks in downtown Royal Oak, then say where downtown Royal Oak is <laughs> and control the spread of these huge eating. Uh, gates uh from the bars and restaurants yeah on the sidewalk around the main street david i really appreciate uh your call and and the details there of what's going on in royal look i mean this idea of people riding on the sidewalks is one of the things that i think uh scares pedestrians the most uh in in downtown detroit for instance i am uh increasingly worried about scooters on the sidewalk about bikes on the sidewalk i mean it, it is getting more precarious, I guess, to, to, to get around on foot. Um, Kyle, talk about uh, talk about what's going on in Royal Oak with people on the sidewalks. I, I think that's an important point. It's exactly what we're talking about when you have um, you know bikers trying to share the same right of way as, as walkers, especially in a dense area like Royal Oak Central Business District, our, our downtown. Um, 
you know, there's, there's dangers there, both for the biker and, and the pedestrians, which is why we did pass an ordinance several years ago uh, that required all bike riding in the central business district to be on the streets uh, for all the reasons mentioned. And, and yes, our right-of-ways do get narrower in the spring and summer months uh, when we have uh, all the patios at restaurants throughout the downtown. So all the more reason to make sure that, that bikers are, are, are in the road and sharing the road uh, so that pedestrians can, can move about safely in the downtown. Uh, what we did not do in the downtown is actually create dedicated bike lanes. All the conversation was had and uh, it was determined that that might not be the, the best way to start this process. So, so, how do you enforce though this idea of no bikes on the sidewalk? Is that a policing? Uh, is that a policing issue, or is is there another way to deal with that? So there there are signs post, posted throughout the downtown saying you know walk your bike according to this ordinance. You know we've done public outreach and awareness campaigns that it's really about public safety and certainly not trying to penalize uh, bikers. It's really trying to make everyone aware and. and uh, cars where the bikes should be on the road and they need to share the road. Um, our, our officers will, you know, speak to people. I don't think we write a lot of citations about it unless there's, you know, repeat uh, offenders because uh, this isn't supposed to be a punitive issue. We're not trying to bust people on this issue. We're just <laughs> trying to make sure that our downtown, which certainly does swell uh, with residents and, and visitors uh, many nights of the week, especially during the warmer months, is 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 safe and enjoyable for, for everyone that wants to visit. Yeah. Uh, again, thanks very much for the call and the comments, David. Uh, let's go to Aaron in Jefferson Chalmers. Aaron, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. I wanted hey. to say that I appreciate the city of Detroit's efforts in uh, taking wide streets that were built for more traffic and adding protected bike lanes. But the city needs to add two elements. Uh, number one, I think, is law enforcement so people don't drive like such maniacs putting the bikers at risk and number two they need to start enforcing mowing of lots because sometimes it's very hard to see around corners when the grass is a yard high or higher hmm. uh I, those are both great ideas uh, aaron I, I i uh i agree with you on both counts uh todd scott i wonder if you can talk some uh about the greenways coalition and some of the other things that you guys are focused on, uh, which I think get to some of the things that Aaron uh, is talking about. The, the, this this rethinking of the space, I guess, that we have in the city. Right. And we have so many conversations about vacant land in Detroit, but so much of that vacant land is actually pavement on our roads. Um, and, and as the caller said, we had far more cars used to be on Jefferson than there are today. And if, uh, or, or for example, on Woodward, uh, up near between seven and eight mile, you have 10 lanes of traffic if that road were built today, it could be a four-lane road. And so there's a great opportunity to take some of these and, and convert them into to bike lanes, but also you know, do green stormwater infrastructure and do other things to beautify the city. So um, it's, it's just a, we, we can't look just at the vacant land. We need to look at our, our, our road space as well. Um, and, and that actually is the first time I've heard about um, grass issues or you know, maintenance issues. Um, we have heard about, you know, the steam that comes out of the road now and then mm -hmm. hides people when they're, when they're walking across the street or biking. And that's a, that's a big issue as well. So I think as the city continues to build up on its maintenance abilities, we need to start tackling some of these other issues that, that hurt sight lines. Um, so, you know, when you, when you talk about the empty space in the city and so much of it being roads, um, that reminds me of, of something I thought of uh, a while back uh, about this whole idea of sharing the roads between bikers 
and cars, we actually have enough space and enough roads that don't get used that we could set aside some roads perhaps for walkers and bikers and not allow cars on them at all. I, I think sometimes of all of the north-south streets that run up the west side, um, you know, you've got Woodward, Hamilton, 2nd, um, you know, you keep going west, there's more and more. I don't know. Maybe one of those should just be a bike street. Now, I say yeah. these things, and then I get people getting really angry at me because no, they live had, on the street, and they're like, I don't want to do that. Well, but. we've had conversations about that, not eliminating cars from them. And it's, it's, it's a new design called like a neighborhood greenway where you actually add diverters, and so cars can't use it as a fast throughway, but neighbors can still use it to get to their house, and there's no in- interruption for them. But it, it does become a fast throughway for, for bicyclists. And you eliminate the stop signs, and you just have uh, traffic circles and diverters, and um, it seems to it's a it's a new thing that's coming along in other cities. We really haven't implemented much, although I think you could argue that um, Palmer Woods has implemented with um, some of their diverters and that that keeps through traffic out. And I know talking to the neighbors there, they said it's just much more pleasant place to go for a walk or ride their bike because there aren't these cars speeding through their neighborhood anymore. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy on Twitter says there are lots of examples showing that bike lanes lead to a rise in sales for small businesses. He's got a link to uh, an article from strongtowns.org there. He says ultimately what's going on in Livernois is about making it a nicer place to be. Now they need to work on making it easier to get there. I absolutely agree with that. He says there should be a bus from 7 in Livernois to both downtown Detroit and Ferndale slash Royal Oak as of now. You can't get to either place without transferring. Really interesting insights there. Uh, We've got uh, some Facebook comments as well. Maria on Facebook says, I live off Main Street near 13 Mile. I love the three-lane cross-section. The left turn lane makes the road so much safer, and it left room for bike lanes. I finally got my bike out and used the bike lane for the first time. Brian on Facebook says, I live in Royal Oak between Main and Crooks on Vincetta. The only thing I see by the road diet is increased traffic. So now we have more pollution coming from traffic backups. I rarely see bikers in the bike lane, but I've recently seen runners using the bike lane despite the fact that there are sidewalks on both sides of Maine. Meanwhile, on the other side where there is an elementary school on Crooks, traffic flies by with crossings few and far between. Uh, Kyle, I'll give you a chance to address those issues that uh, that Brian's raising there in, in Royal Oak. I mean, there is this question about, you know, how people use these things versus how they're intended to be used. In other words, you build a bike lane and it fills up with runners. Uh, <laughs> what do you do about that? So uh, first, I'll, I'll speak to the, the first one, which, you know, the, the uh, resident who had said she just got her bike out for the first time, and that is, you know, form to some extent uh, dictates function. So we're, we're hearing from pe- people who, who disagree with the bike lanes that they don't see enough people in them, but they're brand new. And, <laughs> and with them being present and the city embracing bikeability and walkability, more and more people will be like, I'm going to try and get my bike out and, and try the bike lane. So we expect to see more usage over time. Um, with regard to running, you know, we certainly don't encourage runners or pedestrians to be in the bike lanes. That, that's unsafe. That's exactly why we have the, the bike lanes now divided from the sidewalks right. for our runners and, and, and pedestrians on the sidewalk. Uh, but with regard to the traffic density, um, you know, this is something that we're watching really closely. And we actually have a study going on right now on, on the Campbell Road diet to determine is the light timing correct? Our traffic densities, as we anticipated, 
And, you know, it's a little difficult because of what's going on with I-75, not just in Royal Oak, but all, uh, you know, 75 adjacent communities are experiencing a surge of traffic volumes moving north-south that are avoiding the lane closures on 75. So we don't believe what we're looking at right now is, you know, the what the final result of the road diet is. It's just kind of a perfect storm of, of bad timing that those lane closures are happening right as we've unveiled our road diets. But uh, what I can tell you is that you know, in, in the looks that we, the look that we've gotten so far, we're seeing some timing issues on lights, but that in general, traffic is moving through at the speed that we want to see. And that, you know, outside of rush hour, the flow is, is really um, moving as anticipated. And we want these roads to be uh, for, you know, Royal Oakers. Like if, if you're a commuter, that's what I-75 is for. That's what Woodward is for. Uh, but, you know, Main Street. This is about it, local. This is a local yeah. road for local residents to get from point A to point B. Uh, but that being said, you know, we, we certainly hear the complaints. And, and, and I, you know, I ride Campbell. I ride Main Street nearly every day or drive in my car. Um, and some days it's fine. And some days it's, it's tremendously backed up and it's, you know, it's, it's hit or miss right now. And I think it's largely due to the 75 closures, but that we're monitoring, we're going to get a report from our engineering staff sometime, you know, in the next few months, and we'll consider what changes we need to make from there. So I want residents to know that again, this is an ongoing process. Mm. Uh, let's go to Barbara in Royal Oak. Barbara, welcome to the Good morning. show. Hi. Hi. So I, I, my commute uh, every day is Main Street through Royal Oak. And with the exception of the, the I-75 congestion, which I really do think that that's made the difference, the road diet has been a wonderful thing. It never added a minute hmm. to my commute. To me, the hardest thing about it is people, I, one thing I think cars are getting so giant and no one wants to share the road, these big <laughs> F-150s, these giant human assault vehicles that people are driving around, <laughs> and they're all texting as they drive. So I would probably ride my bike to work. It would be, it would be great, but, um, but that's the part that worries me is that there's really no attention to anybody else in the road but themselves. Yeah, you feel, you feel a little unsafe, perhaps, I guess, on the, on the bike. But it's... But it's such a nice way to, you know, you're just, you're going through a neighborhood and, and what's, you know, what's another two minutes. But like I say, I haven't really noticed that big of a difference. Mm. You know, once they get 75 done, it should be great. Yeah. Barbara, I really appreciate the the call uh, and the thoughts. Uh, Let's go to Dennis, or I'm sorry, Derek on the West side. Derek. Hey, good morning. Go ahead. All right, my, my question is this. This is for the bike lanes. First, I agree with bike lanes. We should have had them when I was a kid. We we, we should have had them when I was a kid. Yeah. I'm, I'm a 70s baby. Um, yeah. Boy, so am I. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1970. <laughs> um, so I agree with that. I agree with it. But also, there's a thing about bikers. We talked about the drivers of cars. But I, I don't know if it's a law. Maybe your guest can explain it to me. But I was always taught... If you're riding on a main road, you know, like living on um, that that whole island thing was a mess and what they're doing now, but to get it back right, that's just a total inconvenience. But anyway, when you're riding on the um, when you're riding on like a main road, um, like Finkel, Linwood, Dexter, Livernois, eight mile, seven mile, whatever you're riding on, if you go on, if you're riding in the street, you're supposed to ride going towards the traffic. And I think mm. as a driver of a car, that makes it easier for us to see you. 
Uh, yeah. You know, because you're coming towards us. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I actually don't know that that's the that's the rule. I think that's a, an urban myth, Derek. But I'm going to let Todd Scott address that. Yeah, that's we hear that quite a bit. We actually just produced a um, a bike map uh, for City of Detroit that has all the laws on it, and it's available in all the bike shops around uh, City of Detroit. Um, yeah, you're supposed to ride with traffic when you're in the road. But I I, I will say sometimes it's it's just not safe to do so like if you're if you're going to be on eight mile you know you probably it's probably a little bit better to ride to see the cars coming because there are more and more distracted drivers and you have an opportunity to bail onto the sidewalk right when the cars are coming i would say i would say eight mile is not a road i would ever ride my bike on i don't think of eight mile as a road it's a highway and people are going 50 60 miles an hour i wouldn't ride my bike on i-75 or the davison so i wouldn't ride it on eight mile but but I, yeah. but if there was a bike lane there, I guess uh, you know people might do that. Yeah, yeah. So so basically, you want to ride with with uh, traffic, and when you're in the bike lanes, do the same thing too. But we're seeing, a, I think, a lot of the issues too. We're seeing a lot of like reverse cycling on uh, on the East Jefferson bike lanes. People coming off the bridge from Belle Isle because they want to get back onto the Riverwalk, and they don't want to cross Jefferson twice. You know, if they're if they're heading westbound, right. so it kind of makes sense. So it's just more of a design issue. You know, I think I think when you have very good design of bike lanes, people won't ride on the sidewalk and they'll ride the right direction. And it'll be obvious you won't need a lot of enforcement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Kyle DeBuck and Todd Scott. It was really great to have you guys here for this conversation. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. Thanks. Up next, we're going to continue the conversation about roads and road diets and narrowing roadways. Uh, But what about completely burying some road underground to open up more walkways and open up spaces? I'm going to talk with the Detroit Free Press columnist John Gallagher about why he thinks that's exactly what we should do with Jefferson Avenue in downtown Detroit. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Glenn in the Cass Corridor, Tom in Royal Oak, John on the East Side, Dennis in Royal Oak, and Gil in Detroit. We will get to you next. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.